good. Okay. Um, Welcome. That's your line. Sorry. That is my line. Yep. It's, yeah. It I just says didn't bend right here on the script. I just didn't know that we had done enough intro music. Oh, I felt like it was Okay. I, I just don't know how long. You can't talk yet. You haven't been introduced yet. Yeah. yeah, just bleep it. Did you hear that bleep that? You can hear that too? Yeah. I thought that was just in my head. Jesus Christ. God, damn. Another <laughs> David. bleep. Yeah. All right. Well, David's here, everybody. This is what happens when you invite a guest onto the show. Welcome, everyone, to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media. We're the guides on your journey of videoing better and whatnot. And we are so incredibly honored and and lucky mm-hmm. and required by employment contract to have with us on the podcast today our first ever podcast guest, hey. David Olson. Hey, guys. Hey. Great to be here. Great. Uh, David, you are our in-house content <clears throat> strategist. Is that is that correct? Yes, that is correct, according to my uh offer letter offer letter yeah yeah what okay. wasn't in the con- the employment contract or the offer letter he came in it before the show brought his own basin and actually washed our feet before uh sitting down with us so uh, that's just i feel refreshed that's just an honor and respect thing that i think a lot of bosses employees do for their bosses that happens everywhere right oh yeah i kind of just do that for people in general yeah okay Strangers. That's what the bucket's for. That's that's why I carry a bucket around. Yeah. That's wow. I I feel like we should interview David just about his like furniture and like Their basin bucket washing. You know, I feel opinions. like if more but we're people not going to. Oh. <laughs> we're going to move on to our episode, which today is uh, about video trends for 2020. Before we jump into that, we've got a new sponsor this week. Sure do. David, I, I since you're our guest, I'd love for you to, to introduce our sponsor, and then when we get to it later in uh, in the podcast, I'd love to have you read the ad. Um, why don't you just tell the people who our sponsor is this week? Sure, Ben. This week's sponsor is Millennial and Me at Home Generational Testing Kit. Okay. Yeah, I, we are so excited to have them on board now. I know. We've had a little bit of a rocky past with some of our sponsors. Yes. For those of you who may recall, you know the analysis, the analysis episode. episode. Yeah, that didn't was go a, too well. That was a tough one, but you know we feel like we're back on track here. We learned mm-hmm. a lot, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, okay. Well, I uh, can't wait to hear the uh, the full ads later on in the episode. But uh, why don't we go ahead and jump on in uh, video trends for 2020? Outside of the fact that. This episode is scheduled to launch on December 23rd, and should this end up being a longer discussion and break into a two-parter, this would be like our last 2019 episode and our first 2020 episode. So it, it may seem like we planned this out, but other than like that co- like calendar coincidentalness, it's a word, right? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, why do we even share trends? Like the contrarian in me doesn't like every time I read like a trends blog or hear a trends thing, I feel like I want to like read it and see, okay, well, this is what to stay away from because it's going to be overdone. Yeah. So I soon. mean, sadly, it's a little clickbaity, and I'm being honest about yeah, it. Sure. Um, but I think. Haha, ha, gotcha. But I think there are people out there who are dabbling with video. Like there's more and more every day. 
and they want to see what's coming down the pipeline. So um, I don't think I need to explain any further beyond that, but just to answer your question then. Yeah, okay. Well, well good. Um, uh, I also think it's worth noting that we're not necessarily going to talk about a whole lot of creative trends. Right. Like we're not going to talk about like what fonts are in this year or like whether or not to use gradients. The return of the doc style interview. Right. It, this is more about trends that we're seeing in video for business. David, any general thoughts before we uh, jump into what we see as some of our trends this year? No, I mean, I think that uh, part of this is really... Sounds like a thought's coming. Yes. <laughs> Another contrarian at the table. That's right. God, he's loving this. I think it's uh, an opportunity for us to demonstrate our expertise. People listening in, listening to hear us talk about video for business, they don't necessarily know the trends coming down the pipeline. We're dealing with this stuff every day. So to answer your question about why talk about video trends, because we're, we actually have some knowledge that we can share, predict those things. That said, they are just predictions. So. They are. And, uh, but I, no, I, I mean, I do, neither Justin or I take ourselves very seriously. I mean, when we talking about stuff, but like, we're always very self-deprecating and so sometimes it is kind of nice to even just remind ourselves that we're sharing this stuff because we deal with this stuff every day and and there are a lot of people out there trying to to get into video and and do video better for their business and and all that kind of stuff and if we can be a resource for you that's really why we're here we're not here just to talk and spend you know an hour a week doing this kind of thing so hopefully we can help all right why don't i kick things off and I'll start with one of my trends that I see coming up this year, and that is essentially best distilled as quantity over quality. I don't, and I don't mean, I very quickly want to put a disclaimer on that. I don't mean like removing quality from video content. Sure. I just, uh, especially in this last year, have seen a, tr uh, a trend toward. I think the ubiquity of video has gotten to the point where people understand that they need to be producing more and more consistent content. And they're not spending like $100,000 a year for one like really high production quality, brand awareness, like commercial yeah. kind of thing. What they're doing is maybe they're spreading that same amount of money over a new piece of content every month or every couple weeks mm -hmm. or you know, some kind of, uh, you know, buyer's journey following content that they're producing. So there, some companies are lucky enough to be getting more budget for video, but it seems to me that if the budgets are staying the same, they're distributing it over more projects. And so I, I think that's a trend that is going to continue. And it's that kind of consistent, quick turnaround, still of a certain quality, right? It still represents your brand well but you've just got to do more of it and more often. And that means you just have to do like 10, $10,000 projects instead of one $100,000 project or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's something I've, that I've been seeing for a few months now that, um, that I'm trying to kind of prepare for, for next year. It feels like video traditionally has been nestled under the marketing responsibility, right? Um, and as a lot of marketing teams we're in the B2B world have traditionally been designed as lead gen teams, mm -hmm. but I feel like that's changing in some respects. David, I think you posted or, or shared an article recently about how 
we've talked about it too here at the the office, but how <clears throat> they're becoming also sales enablement departments. So as video is being spread, not just from lead gen, but to assisting sales in in you know kind of lubricating that whole sales process, giving salespeople the right kind of content to use when they're further down the funnel. I think that all kind of lines up with why quality is dropping to some degree and quantity is increasing because like you said, it's not just one brand awareness piece, you're spreading that out across the customer journey um, all the way down to sales and even other revenue teams like customer success and whatnot. And if the budget's the same, then you can't have the same kind of quality for all of those. Right. So you're getting more with the same resources, so your quality's gonna drop. Yeah, and if you're talking about, like for example, customer success, like video FAQs, you don't need those to be big, flashy, polished, mm -hmm. high production value videos. Those can be pretty straightforward, just doing a very specific thing, explaining how to solve X problem for the customer watching it, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't need to spend a bunch of money for that. Instead, you can spend the same amount of money, like you're saying, do 10, 12 of those videos mm -hmm. instead of one big flashy FAQ video, which is yep. unnecessary. I think the other connection quality to quantity that uh, people are trying to make as video plays a more significant role in SEO. Um, think about like how traditionally in SEO people would say, well, you should probably publish a blog post once a week or once every other week or something. Now people are recognizing the value in video for SEO, which we'll talk about more in depth, I think going you know later in the episode. But if you're considering that as valuable SEO content, you're going to say, okay, well, we need to be producing a video every week or every other week in the same way that we would have done a blog. Mm -hmm. And by the way, now you can produce that video that has the SEO value and then extrapolate the text that's within that video into a another blog post, another blog post, mm -hmm. right? Which we've seen some of our clients already starting mm -hmm. to do, which is pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, and well, and I also feel like you know, leveraging, especially when it's episodic video content, and then leveraging each of those episodes to create a blog post. It's one of those things that just to me, it like, like you just said, one of, you know, some of our clients have been doing, but like when I first saw it, I was like, oh, why, why didn't we think of this? Like it's a <laughs> no brainer, but you don't see it actually used as much as, uh, as it should. Cause once you see it the first time, you're like, oh, that makes absolutely perfect sense. And, and, it, and it's not just, <clears throat> it's not just like embedding the video and, and pasting the transcript in. It's about actually somebody writing an interpretation of what happens in the video yes. and the information in the video. And so I think that also helps, you know, we talk about how in the, in the manifesto, how your content is integrated, right? Well, this is a, that's a perfect example of that because you get to put in the video what you want to put in the video, but then that blog post gives you an additional opportunity to put it from another slightly different perspective or even to a slightly different audience. So even if your video is made for a very specific audience, but you know you have the secondary audience, you can kind of tweak that blog post to kind of address that secondary audience so that they can get whatever context they need to then make the content in the video more accessible. That, that could almost be, you know, a trend of its own is yeah. kind of you know maximizing video in your other content for SEO purposes and and communication opportunities and, and all that kind of stuff. What might because <clears throat> I know I know our audience is is kind of split between people who are doing video for their business and that's part of their job, be they in a marketing, sales, or customer success function. But we also have some listeners who are on the production side, so mm -hmm. they've got 
you know, they're a vendor or a partner with these these companies. We've talked about kind of distributing the budget, and that's how companies are, are handling creating more content. Um, what might be uh, some ways, and, and, and this isn't a setup question, I don't know that I have an answer now, but how might, how might we uh, suggest to some of those freelancers or video producers out there that they kind of prepare for that too? Um, I think helping clients get more out of the budgets they have. Like you were talking about, uh, you know, you've got your primary audience, but if you've got a secondary, tertiary audience, and then for each of those audiences, there's different channels that they're accessing and using. Instead of just having that one video, you know, in your proposal, deliver 10 different videos that yeah. have a slightly different call to action based on the channel you're using, or or slightly different titles that kind of create some core value messaging that's a little bit different. So altering in very simple ways, like not changing your, your entire production setup, the production is all still the same perhaps, but your calls to action, your titles, the way that you're integrating this into your other content, just delivering more assets at the end of your project to increase the value of that contract. Mm-hmm. If it's still ten grand, but if you're able to deliver an extra twenty deliverables instead of one, right, or that you know, whatever it may be, means a lot to yeah. clients. Especially you know if it's an annual retainer contract. If you're if you're used to getting that hundred thousand dollars to work on that one marquee project for a client every year, and all of a sudden you're asked to do ten projects, if you can do multiple multiple deliverables for each, then yeah, I mean you're you're per per deliverable cost, your price might go down, but you're providing more value. And if you can do that for a year, then, you know, you're probably setting yourself up to say, hey, I'm offering more value. Let's let's talk about doubling down on this more consistent content. And ultimately, I think that with all of those additional assets that are more personalized will create a better return on investment. Yeah. Therefore, you know, perhaps increasing budgets the next year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. David, why don't you pick one? What's one of the trends that you see coming up for 2020? Uh, So I think we have uh, seen a lot happening in AI and machine learning. and said it. How that's buzzwords. Do we we have like an AI sound effect? (laughs) And uh, definitely, though, keep going. Yeah, I mean, we can just keep repeating like artificial intelligence, AI, and machine learning, and then just. And then, like ten minutes later, people are like, "Oh, they said some stuff." Yeah, yeah really. But I start this episode with keywords. But I feel like maybe we have some some legitimate examples of of AI, which is so. Like, I guess I would just alert our audience to not tune out right now because mm-hmm. we're talking about AI. We're going to actually no. Talk I think there's some, some legitimate. There absolutely are. opportunities for AI within within video. So They're where do you real? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about AI and how it connects to creative. So mm-hmm. AI assisting creative. This is something that you brought up yesterday, for mm-hmm. example. There's some new technology that you know YouTube or other companies are, are kind of releasing to the public. What have you seen there? Yeah, I, well, I mean, like, the, the question is how will AI affect creative, the role of creative in creating video? If, if AI is sort of uh, driving search results and everything, how does that influence your creative? The theory being that data 
doesn't make a video less creative or remove the creative process, but it in fact informs the creative and helps you make better decisions. Mm -hmm. And we always say like those parameters can actually really help you creatively because you're not all over the place. You now have these things that you want to work within. You kind of have more specific targets, more specific, you know, whether it's audience or, or, or goals or, or whatever those things are those influence your creative in a very specific way and, and actually make the process a little bit easier sometimes. Yeah, um, one one way that I think, even if you're not involved in video, I'm sure you're writing emails and- What? Some, sorry, emails, electronic mail. Electronic mails. <laughs> and uh, uh, Grammarly, I'm sure, I think a lot of people are using Grammarly. That's, you know, machine learning just adapted to text-based um, uh, messaging and so it'll help you are you sure you wanted to say that like yeah, I feel you like you're trying to come off snarky are you trying to come off well, snarky so they, they added the emoji they added that's, the emoji. So, that's yeah. so fascinating I know right like so I, I want to turn it off but I find myself relying on it so much I forget all it's of a there sudden. sometimes but yeah when they show like the handshake like oh you're, you're very businessy in this one or if they show like the party streamers or I got whatever. one this morning where it was like we're seeing that you're coming off as appreciative and thankful and yeah. joy. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, I don't, don't do that. <laughs> and then I realized I was writing a sample email for like a piece of gated content that we're going to be putting out there. Mm -hmm. And so it's like the autoresponder thing. Ah. And so I was writing as like the company thanking somebody for like giving us their email to download something. I was like, oh, well then good. I thought something was wrong That with is, you. I know, I hit my head this morning and all of a sudden I'm appreciative and showing gratitude. There is blood running down the side of your face. Yeah. Out of your ears. Like, what? Yeah. I, what? Uh, but imagine uh, that in premiere. It, it, Welcome it, it, to the video <laughs> reformation. Oh, no, ben, we're, no, oh, oh, we <laughs> we're, did. We're, we're several minutes in at this point. Oh, okay. Imagine in Premiere, right? If there were a little emoji there saying that this interview is sounding boring, stiff and rigid, yeah. and boring, too fast, or, or this is fun and uh, whatever, like uh, informal. That could be really interesting. You know, I, I think back to the, uh, my first example. I think of AI that I can remember was that little fucking paperclip in Microsoft Word. Mm. Clippy. 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 Great name. Trying to. That's creativity right there. I mean, it was, it was there trying <laughs> Bodie to. Bodie McBoatface. We've got five minutes before lunch. What are we going to call this thing? Five, five <laughs> minutes before launch, yeah. I feel like. <laughs> but it, so that, that sort of thing could be in a lot of different platforms. I think, cool. I, I think one way is, especially talking about kind of how we finish the, the quantity over quality part, you were talking about delivering these additional assets, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's one of the things that like Google's bumper machine and, and YouTube director, mm -hmm. like you can actually create those, those pieces and upload them into YouTube in your campaign as individual pieces. So mm -hmm. uh, a title treatment, uh, a music, a call to action, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And then uh, different visuals. YouTube, yeah, and different visuals. And YouTube's AI will actually, based on what it knows of the person who's viewing that ad at that moment, instantaneously puts together the title, the visual, the music, and the CTA, like not personalized by name, and we're gonna talk a little bit about personalization in a bit, but like super personalized by like 
behavioral demographics and and mm-hmm. demographics and mm-hmm. uh, ethnographics and all those graphics things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, or if you're about to watch a lion kill an impala video, <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of your on. favorites, you could tailor that ad content to something more vicious, something more alpha male. Alpha male. Yes. Yes. So yeah, it's, it's on all sorts of different dimensions. It will take into account. The bumper machine is pretty interesting. This is recently released. You can upload your two minute, whatever video to YouTube and ask the bumper machine to essentially create a bunch of six second ads. And it will give you like up to 10 six second segments that aren't maybe perfect, but again, it's assisting creative. Mm-hmm. And it, it allows directors, creative directors, whatever, to say, yes, this works, let's add, let's take that first second out, but add the next second in and really complete that thought. Or let's change the call to action somehow. So um, so that's kind of a, 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 these are just like, I feel like these are just kind of fun, gamey things, but it's gonna definitely get more serious over the next couple well, of years. it's like an evolution of just the, uh, when they give you options for your animated thumbnail, you know, like a quick two second animated thumbnail. Well, now it's like a six second thing we can actually use as an ad for your mm-hmm. whatever your video is. But mm-hmm. it's just, you know, just extrapolating that. You yep. can kind of see the evolution happening right there. Well, and you can see the evolution just from like ad bidding, right? Video ads. Like, so the, my go to example is you go to CNN.com and you go to play a video at the top of a story or something like that, and it has that like buffering icon. Mm-hmm. And most people think that's just buffering the video, but what it's doing is it's actually sending all of these messages between the ad server and it's actually doing all of the bidding process for what like 15 or 30 second ad is it going to show based on the cookies that are that are in the browser well now it's not just what 15 second ad is going to show before the two minute story you want to watch it's how is it going to take that same information and put together from all the pieces a six second or 15 second Mm -hmm. piece from like the stems that you've included and so it just gets hyper personalized and to me, that's where I see the evolution of AI and it is it's just going from like, here's the ad that should play for you to here's the ad that should play for you and here's what it should say and what the music should be and what the visual should yeah. be and what your CTA should be based on what I know about you. Yep. And then in milliseconds, yeah. served up. Yeah. It's crazy. What about, oh, did you have another? Well, I was going to, I was going to sort of segue into talking about AI video and do it. search. I would like to talk about one more way that AI is helping creative. This is kind of a behind the scenes, like not so much you've created a bunch of stuff and then it's deciding what to serve people, but Adobe has its Max conference going on this week. And that's where they like to tease a lot of their fun toys. Like that's where uh, Morph Cut was first introduced. And this week they teased something called Audio Awesomizer. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Saw that. Yep. Where basically it, it uses machine learning and AI to take an audio track, muddy as hell. Like that. That can that can have echo. It can have uh, background sounds. It can have like a backfiring car, uh, a train going through in the back. Like whatever kind of noise you want to put in it. We're so used to like capturing a noise print in audition and then like you know it search for those frequencies and then it can pull it out well it just like you like push the render button like edit edit, the edit button and it skips the render and then like all of a sudden it's just optimized your audio and i think they've got a keyed in for like voice right now 
but I yeah. can only imagine. I mean, you know, it. You should. That sounds right. Imagine yeah. birds tweeting like just optimized for birds tweeting. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so I, you know, it'll be Morphcut didn't quite live up to its or hasn't yet lived up to yeah. to all of its hype when they release that. So it'll be interesting, and they do admit that it's very early in in its stages. But yeah, I, I mean, mean, audio is so tough. It's not. I, I can't pretend that I know much about it, but that if it actually worked would be amazing. I can't. I mean, they keep trying, right? So that's what we're talking about here is is the progression of AI within yeah. creative. And, and well, and and, the, and there video. for for quite some time, honestly, even in the analog days, there were a lot of tools that enabled you to take like you could take vocals out of a music track to do like an audition or something like that mm-hmm. 25, 30 years ago. So as these things have gone more digital, you still have to like adjust them yourself and get in there and do the right amount of noise reduction and the right amount of EQ and the right amount of compression and all those things. But now that's where the AI is taking over is you don't have to adjust all those dials and rely on yeah. your own ear. It's just looking at all of the actual bits of data and say, and it's probably just taking like, you know, eight or 10 passes of certain types of filters and it's just then tweaking them almost instantaneously I would hope so that you don't have to do it, you know, track by track. I'd or, hope or they show all the levers they pulled so that you can go in and make minor adjustments yeah, to I'm the sure high end of something. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about AI, machine learning, and video and search. Those are three kind of big things, big hot topics. How do they all come together? You've heard that horrifying quote that video is worth how many words? No, don't. But 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 say it right. I'm going to get to a point here. I don't remember what it is. Eighty thousand. Yeah, a minute of video is worth one point eight million words. Yeah, backing backing that up. That think that's that there are twenty four. So a picture is worth a thousand words. It's thirty. Go for and, thirty. And, and then there are and then there are thirty frames, or thirty pictures in one second of video, and then you multiply that by sixty, and you get one point eight million words. Yeah, that's where it comes from, right? It's a statistic based on an idiom. It does. I think you brought this up before. Hopefully, our listeners are longtime listeners, and we don't have to revisit that. But if you think about all of the information that can be contained in one image and then compare that to a blog post, mm-hmm. I would say that's about equivalent, right? You can get a lot of information. It depends on how in-depth that each of those are, right? Yeah, but, I'm with you. But there's a blog, a blog post is indexed by Google, and all those words are considered, and then it's in their algorithm. No one knows what that is. But regardless, all that blog content, all that written word content on your site, it's helping a lot of companies right now. As of right now, video is nowhere near that. Like I think you can, right now they index titles, tags, descriptions. There's some additional schema. Some other schema, yeah. But you're you're not getting everything out of a, a two minute video that you ultimately should. If you have a two minute video, you're showing and telling. There are multiple things throughout. It's so much more dynamic than the written word. So if you think about all the information that can be contained in a two minute video, whether a cat walks into the background of the shot, or if this is out in nature, or if this is a man speaking, or if this is a, a hunting video, all the stuff that could be contained without even having to say it, something that would never be in the transcript, but all that information contained within that image, 
will be indexed at some point. Right. So think about all of the information that will ultimately one day be indexed that is that is currently in video, but is not currently being indexed. <laughs> I hope somebody followed me on that. So if I were an influencer what? and sure. I were wearing a red wool sweater mm -hmm. in my video and um, I was talking about the sweater, but I only referred to it as this sweater. Mm -hmm. You're watching the video mm -hmm. and you know that it's it's red. You can probably tell that it's wool or, you know, something similar. Maybe mm -hmm. it's one of those really fluffy wools. Mm -hmm. But if I only say this is the best sweater I've ever bought. It's really warm, it looks great, it's the perfect size, it's stain resistant. If Google indexed that transcript, mm -hmm. they would totally miss out on the red piece and the wool piece. Or if the yeah, if the title said the brand name or something right yeah right and so that's what i think you're getting at right like there's so much more contextual information mm -hmm. in let alone an entire video but even just a single frame of video mm -hmm. that isn't currently indexed because it's not something that's in a text form right. basically that all of a sudden data yes for lack of a better i don't really mm -hmm. know what the what the conclusion or the resolution of yeah. that is but so machine learning <clears throat> at the moment, we, we met with a, um, we were in San Francisco last week, uh, Ben and I were, and we met with a, a company. They're using machine learning to identify images and products and things in videos. And though, though that, those machines are actually indexing that content, whether or not it's said, whether or not it's put in the title, whether or not it's in the description, it's indexing that. And so you're gonna see machine learning start to understand and, and read videos in a much more in-depth way and make that information accessible from a search standpoint. Well, I think we can even and take it to an even more immediate use case. Like Google rolled out that um, featured snippet yeah. uh, yes. Yes. thing earlier this year, right? So now, in for certain videos for some videos and uh, only some creators yes yeah um you can if you search for the example we were talking about the other day uh how to plant tomatoes right and your search result might be a video that's talking about how to garden and it'll jump right to the one minute 17 second mark where they start talking about how to plant tomatoes mm -hmm. and it'll show you that 49 second bit mm -hmm. right that's probably going to be more fully realized over the next year, mm -hmm. ruled out in a more expansive way, and they'll fine-tune some things. Mm -hmm. Right. In addition to that, if you start thinking about the idea of voice search and how that's another focus of companies like Google and Amazon, and the convergence of those two things, you can see the real possibility of over the next year, two years, just closing that loop of you searching for, saying, hey, Google, uh, how do I plant tomatoes? Google playing back automatically to you that piece of video that explains how to do that. You've never even had to touch a device, read a blog mm. or anything. You are just delivered the information mm -hmm. just out of the ether. In the most robust way you can yes. consume it. So, I mean, that's something that we could see happening in the next 12 months easily. Yes, definitely. Yeah. That is interesting. Voice search is way different than than text search too. Yes. And so 
you know, I think that kind of gets also gets into uh, maybe our next topic a little bit as well. I'll hold back in case you want to bring in more about uh, about search AI video. I have one big takeaway on that, unless you wanted to jump in with something. I was going to transition into translations, localization, and globalization. Well, hit, well, hit so why don't you well let me hit point. one more big takeaway on just video and search. Um, which this is more big picture, but if you're going into 2020 and you have a content marketing strategy of any kind and video isn't part of it and like you're focused on search and SEO, it needs to be. Right. Like you're going to, this isn't even just like a pitch for like, here's why you need, like you should be doing this. And if you're not, you're going to be falling behind. If you hire an SEO agency to be doing your content marketing and they're not doing video, you need to be asking them why they aren't mm -hmm. and figure out how to do that. Because a lot of SEO agencies aren't, I know from experience, they're just used to text. They're used to text, they're used to blogs, they're Pumping used to optimizing your homepage, your landing page, and whatever. And that's great, but a lot of them fell behind by not, you know, bringing, folding in video into their process. And so if you have one of those agencies and they're not doing that, you should probably hold their feet to the fire and ask, you know, what's going on there? Yeah, that's yeah. a great point. Um, I, I think the whole voice search also is a great tie-in to the advances that you're seeing in globalization, localization, and translations. What are those words? Those are are all words that end with the suffix shun. And they, uh, which they means do. to reject or expel. <laughs> um, so globalization is the idea of of introducing a brand, a product, a service, whatever, to other parts of the world, mm -hmm. which often necessitates new languages. Right. Localization is the once you've gotten to these other parts of the world, you've got to specifically use certain dialects, certain phrases, certain, you know, little kind of local tricks to make sure that that even if it's in the right language, it's spoken the right way in that language mm -hmm. to the people who are consuming it. And then of course a lot of that is just kind of under the umbrella of, you know, what needs to happen with translations. You need to take that content and you need to translate that content into the language and then dialect of that language for yeah. where it's largely geographically where it's going to be consumed. And for a lot of companies, growth means expanding yeah. abroad. It means yeah. going and sometimes the biggest market isn't one that already speaks your language. It's something yeah. else, like like Chinese. Yeah. And and so, you know, Google Translate, even on its on its face and its basic version is artificial intelligence. I mean, that's just a way to type in something in one language and have it tell you what it, it is in another language. But it's not always contextual. And mm -hmm. so the AI and, and, and the machine translations are getting much better at understanding the context, understanding the specific dialects, understanding even tone. Um, I mean, there are certain, saw a really interesting presentation recently where there are different customer service theories in different cultures. So hmm. the Japanese have a very specific, like the customer is right, the customer is to be honored, the customer mm -hmm. is to be respected, whatever it takes to make the customer happy is the approach. Whereas in South Africa, the customer service uh, mentality is like, hey, we're friends. We've known each other for years. We're buds, we're casual. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hey, you need something? Sure, I can help you out. But it's it's a much, it's, it's, it's a very a different dynamic. Yes, that too. 
and um, and so if you are say an English company that has has clients in uh, or customers in South Africa and Japan, your customer success, customer service type content may not be enough just to translate it into the languages, but you also have to apply those kind of that tone and that kind of, you know, um, respect mm -hmm. or, or level of relationship between. And, and scarily enough, AI and machine learning and machine translations are getting much better a lot quicker at doing those things. I also heard recently that like, I don't know, this is probably wrong. Something like half of the data ever created has been created in the last year. Hmm. So, I mean, we are on this sure. exponential track Moore's where there's law. just so much yeah. data there. And what the AI people who are out there, for lack of a better term, are doing is getting their, their machines to, un to take all of that data and learn. Mm -hmm. And the more it, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it almost feels like the, the gray goop problem of like self-replicating robots. You just end up with like these little nanobites, you know, nanobots, like over the entire world because they've consumed everything and, and replicated. Like, it's kind of like doing that with data right now. It's just consuming data and then creating more data. And then there's more data for the AI to feed on. <laughs> so it's just getting smarter and smarter and smarter. It's Which, exponential. Know. Is there a is there a collapse in? So are we talking like I mean Terminator world yeah, or Skynet, the Matrix? Skynet or? will become self aware at some point. Okay. So let's fold video into that because that is a that is a deep subject on its own. Yeah. What you were just talking about. Yeah. How does that apply to video? Hey, um, I think what you're going to see is the ability to make certain types of content once and put them in video content once in a native language, in a primary language, mm -hmm. and you're going to, and maybe it takes 10 years, uh, you're gonna be able to push an audio awesomizer type button and select the languages and regions that you wanna translate that video content into, and it automatically changes the voiceover Render to, to Indonesian. A, yes, and yeah. but like Southeast Indonesian. Right. Right, and if you tie that with like voice search, and how much AI is learning from how people ask questions when they talk, and how much it's learning about cadence and timbre and all of those parts of voice that don't come through when you're typing a question, it's it's learning how to speak better. Mm -hmm. And so you look at deep fakes and things like that. This is why this stuff is getting so much better, is because it sounds like actual people so much more than you know the robot voice i mean think about like even pre-siri just like four or five years ago how like robotic like computer mm -hmm, voices mm -hmm. were and now they're getting really close to you know regular voices mm -hmm. and so you're going to be able to replace an audio track that's been translated and re-recorded by an ai bot of some kind that's going to then kick out your like 23 different language regionalized localized language versions of video content and i'm sure it won't be much longer before and it might even be simpler to do that with graphic heavy video that's what i was going to say just like just like youtube director just changing titles and it just it knows the titles changing screenshots whatever yeah. it is i mean yeah i mean put put in a, a library of of images and these are the you know Asian images that I want to use and these are the Australian images that I want to use and these are the Russian images and these are the Northern European images and then it just creates that content based on the geographic location of yeah. the user.
So that was terrifying. Yeah, it is. I, I, I feel like it's probably a good time for us to hear um, hear our sponsors. So, David, um, since you're new to the podcast, you know, why don't you read our uh, sponsor ad this week? Sure thing, Ben. This week's sponsor is Millennial and Me at Home Generational Testing Kit. If you're a marketing professional, you know there's a lot of talk about millennials and even more confusion about what actually defines one. Hey, for all you know, you could be a millennial. <gasps> well, wander no more with Millennial and Me, the world's first at-home generational testing kit. From the makers of 23andMe's second cousin by marriage, Millennial and Me is the easy and effective way to determine once and for all which society-destroying generation defines you. Simply spit into the provided test tube. A little more. Keep spitting. Come on, you can do it. It's all the salt from the bar. Fill her up. That's right. Fill it right up to the top. Answer a few simple questions like, have you ever owned a Blink-182 CD? Do you have an insatiable desire to kill things like power lunches and the real estate market? Do you crave experiences? Send back your Millennial and Me kit and our team of much younger yet somehow more accomplished scientists will analyze your sample, steal your DNA, and determine generational status in a short six to eight months. Oops, we say steal your DNA. We aren't going to steal your DNA. That probably shouldn't be in the copy. Millennial and Me at-home generational testing kit. Available exclusively at Aldi's. Okay, Boomer. Welcome. I, uh, did you make the cutoff for Millennial, Ben? No. I am barely Gen Z. No, wait, Gen X. That's Gen the X. one. Gen X. Maybe you should try Maybe I should. Millennial and me. and mm-hmm. just You know, you hang out with a bunch of technical Millennials. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. You mean, unless you take the test, you could find out that you're... Old, much older. You might be much older. <laughs> oh, God. You might, you be, might be a baby boomer. Gen, yeah. Well, so so here's the thing. My, my parents are baby boomers, which mm, are kind they? of... By, are they? Yes, they in fact are. But have they taken the test? Yes. Oh, okay. That helps. Yeah. Good. Okay. No, again, it doesn't answer the question for me. We just know that I'm not like the greatest generation because I'm not older than my parents. Do you crave experiences? I, you know what? The experiences I crave most are killing long-held, like, boomer established traditions. Hmm. Yeah. That, sound, that sounds pretty Gen X-y to me. Yeah. Yeah. We got we got to get you a kit, though. Yep. And I don't care what you just said, so I'm probably in the millennial. I don't know. That sounds Z. Z. Is that after? Zoomer. Zoomer. Is that what they're called? <laughs> Zoomers. <laughs> All right. What did you find out when you got your results? I haven't got. It says six to eight months. I just took it today. So oh. right. Some some come quicker than others. Yeah. That that is generally true all right well welcome to millennial and me okay i feel like we've got into a deeper discussion than maybe we anticipated and we've still got several bullet points left on our list here so i think it probably makes sense to break this up i'm exhausted can we take a nap maybe uh we can take a nap okay Uh, do you want to be the inside spoon or the outside spoon uh well we have three people today so Ooh, who gets to be bitch spoon Oh, I, I kind of like being the peanut butter and the jelly. 
Yeah. I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> None of and this is HR approved. HR approves everything here. <laughs> well, then you know how bad this is. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So that's going to conclude temporarily our conversation on Video Trends for 2020. And we're going to pick up in our next episode and get through the rest of our list. So, Happy uh, New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, all the things. Uh, war on Christmas, etc. How's that going, by the way? <clears throat> I think we're winning. We're winning. There's a Which war side are we on? The bad side. It's hard to say. Oh, we're the bad guys. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, go Christmas war. Um, yeah, we will see you, or will we? You'll hear us next time on the Video Reformation Podcast. <clears throat> Thanks for listening. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Like literally bye, in about David. one say minute. Say bye, David. And then. Okay. Can you put your pants back on first? Well, it's a podcast. No. Why? Why are you gonna make him put his pants back on? Well, it's it's cold in here, so it's a little weird. It's, it is cold. I should have done that. Yeah. I didn't want to. I just justified. But he's so hot. Like temperature-wise, hot. Is there really a war on Christmas? Oh, there's been a war on Christmas for years. In what? In what way? Like uh, cultural war? Yes, people are not saying Merry Christmas anymore to <clears> strangers. <throat> They're saying Happy Holidays. Got it. Okay, in that sense. Brands are not saying Merry Christmas yeah. on their coffee cups anymore. They're saying Happy Holidays. Mm-hmm. So, general respect for your fellow man is the war on Christmas. I mean, Christmas, we don't actually know when that took place. They just kind of matched that up. Sure with, as shit uh, wasn't December 25th. How do you know? I think we reasonably believe it was like uh, April something. Really? Because I think we have But that's out Easter then. How could you just be born and die at the same time? Yeah. Well, that Actually, was one that's of his superpowers. Of the story, right? Yeah. Maybe he was dead before he was born and that's how he was risen again. Whoa. Welcome to the Joe Rogan Podcast. Officially now, it's a 13 seconds.